Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Nami Inouye and welcome to Our Changing World from RNZ National. Science communication student Evan Bolcom is off to the psychology department at the University of Otago to find out about prayer. Prayer is part of a regular routine for billions of people across all of the world's major religions. Discussions about prayer usually center on the power that prayer has to affect the world around us. The internal effects of prayer are rarely considered. I'm Evan Balcom, and I'm going to be taking a look at the internal effects of prayer, both from the perspective of psychologists who research prayer and from the perspective of believers who regularly pray. I had a chance to speak with three people from the psychology department at the University of Otago. David Barton, a Ph.D. candidate who also regularly prays, Victoria Alonia, a Ph.D. candidate who researches prayer, and Professor Jamin Halberstadt. I caught up with David during his office hours. So, David, can you tell me a little bit about your background and maybe a way that prayer has specifically affected your life? Well, basically my background is that uh, I became a Christian when I was very young and I uh, kind of feel like I believed in God from when, as far back as I can remember. In fact, I think I can't remember a time when I didn't believe in God. Even as a little tiny kid, as far back as I can remember, I believed in God. And so I believe my faith has been building and, and I've been practicing faith ever, ever since I was as far back as I can remember. Um, then I became like a born again, you know, publicly when I was sort of, I think, around 12, 13 years old when I went to a, uh, a Baptist uh, retreat. But, um, but, you know, so my faith grew as I, as I grew older and I just continued going to youth, continued to develop my faith growing up. And then eventually in 1990 I went to the army in South Africa in a place called Bloemfontein. At that time the family had hit rock bottom because my father was actually an alcoholic. And uh, at that point in 1989 him and my mother were divorced. And I was 18 and I was just finishing school. And that was kind of like when things really got rough. And uh, but that year I went to the army, and here I was, you know, family was just in a mess, and my whole life was kind of like feeling really, you know, not cool at all. You know what I mean? It's been put down. Um, but I went to another church while I was in the army. It was like a charismatic church, first time I've ever been to one of those churches, and I had this encounter with God, an actual physical manifestation of the the power of the Holy Spirit on me and actually made me fall right over. I had an actual encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, because of what was happening in my family, you know, my, I had another friend who also went with, and the one night we were praying together, and he knew about my family, and suddenly I felt this anointing of the Spirit come on me again. You know what I mean? You could actually literally feel a presence within you. And after the prayer... We had finished praying because he continued to pray. He said he had a vision from God, and God had told him that I didn't need to worry about my family, that he would take care of my family. God was giving me an assurance that 
something would happen to my family that they were, and he was going to take care of them. And so now looking back, okay, from this point now, looking back, what had happened since that, because I told you my father was really bad. He was a very bad alcoholic. In that year I was in the army, he hit rock bottom. He actually lost his job and he was always in a high pain position. He had to go into a clinic. He came out of the clinic and he was a mess. Now today he's, you know, he hasn't drunk for since then, since 1991. So when I look back on that, my father's still alive. He's now in his 70s. My mother's alive. She's here living in Dunedin. And uh, so when you look at those things, how that turned out, that's definitely an answer to that prayer. So how would you say prayer works from a psychological point of view? I think prayer from a psychological point of view, I think it's tied to faith. And faith is in believing in what you cannot see, expecting that it is really there, that it's manifested itself somewhere in the future, and that it's simply displaced from you maybe in terms of time. So for me, prayer is the same thing. If I pray, psychologically what I'm doing is I'm building my faith. If I'm asking God to help me finish my thesis by the 31st of December, so if that happens at that point in time, okay, if, I, if I'm building my faith, if I have now faith that God is going to help me to do that, is it possible then that that enhances my own performance? Does that faith that I will receive this um, object of my prayer, because I have faith and I ask God to do that, does that make me work harder to, to get it? Possibly it does. So there could be a psychological feedback almost, maybe a self-fulfilling prophecy. The idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy is a well-established psychological phenomenon. Um, it's a prediction that either directly or indirectly causes itself to become true due to positive feedback between belief and behavior. David may be onto something when he discusses this effect in terms of prayer. Shifting gears a bit, I met with Victoria in her lab. So, Victoria, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your interest in prayer? Uh, my mother is a charismatic Catholic. My father is an atheist. Um, my mother uh, prays almost compulsively. She speaks in tongues. And, and I've always wondered what it, what it does, especially to her. We, as kids, when we were, she was cranky, we'd tell her she needed to go to church because every time she came home from church or, or from ending her prayers, she was almost high. So your area of interest is really the effect that prayer has on the person doing the praying. Yes, I'm, I'm far more interested in the, the psychological effects of praying on the individual praying. So what does modern research have to say about prayer? The, the current scientific literature suggests that uh, that prayer, it helps people find meaning in their lives, it increases optimism, it uh, increases gratitude, it, and actually makes people more likely to be forgiving of a partner if they prayed for that partner recently. In one study, they, they actually had a social experiment in which one participant was offended by another participant, and then they were asked to pray. And, and when they prayed, they were more likely to be pro-social afterwards than people who hadn't prayed. So based on the research, what's your personal take on prayer? Originally, I would have said that the prayer would be a disempowering. If you're giving power to an outside source or ascribing power to an outside source, you would lose power. But some exploratory pretests suggested otherwise, that, that maybe 
by giving power to God, who is either someone you're collaborating with or something that is fused with you, you become more powerful. You feel more empowered. Tell me a little bit about your own research. So after we did a few pretests and found the the positive relationship between a positive view of God and, and an internal locus of control, we wanted to see how content would, would affect persistence in a difficult task. So we had three conditions. Um, every condition had the same Swahili passage. One of the conditions, it was just the label prayer. So please read the following prayer uh, passage aloud. Uh, one condition, it was labeled a meditative passage. And in one condition, it was just labeled a foreign language passage. What sort of task did the participants have to complete after reading the passages? The task was was an anagram task. So you get jumbled letters, and you're supposed to create a word from them. So what sort of differences did you find? So not only did the religious and the prayer condition try harder, uh, they took longer to give up, but they also got more correct. So even though the passages themselves are the same in all conditions, the idea that they were praying had a significant effect on people. Yes, believing you are praying regardless of what you are saying uh, clearly had an effect for the religious. Do you think we should all pray? I mean, should I go home and start praying? That's a good question. I, I don't think we know enough about it. I certainly, um, as a non-believer, I, I don't go home and pray because of my research. Although I, I'll pray if I'm you know walking on a dark street and I'm scared at night, even though I know that I don't believe. When you pray as a non-believer, what are those prayers like? Somebody help me out there. I don't want to get, you know, kidnapped and tortured. So you're just putting it out in the universe and hoping that someone picks it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it is directed at, at some abstract entity. You mentioned that you have a Catholic background, so surely you prayed in your youth. I definitely prayed in my youth, uh, especially before I went to bed. When you did pray, were you asking for help with specific problems? The monsters under the bed, the the skeleton pirates down in my woods that my brother told me about who liked to uh, capture a little girl named Victoria. So whenever I went down to go on the swing set, I'd, uh, I'd always I'd, I'd pray pretty compulsively because I wanted to go swing on the swing set, but I was really afraid of the skeleton pirates. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, Victoria, and I wish you good luck with your future research. Thanks. I met Dr. Halberstadt in his office to ask just a couple more questions about prayer. Dr. Halberstadt, can you tell me a little bit about prayer from a psychological perspective? Prayer has um, attributional qualities to it. It's it's often making claims about who is in charge or it's or it's ceding control of behavior or one's future to God. That leads to some interesting ironic kind of effects of prayer in a in a um, prayer, right, you are you'd be asking for God's help to do something. Well, that should, you know, lead you to feel less empowered because you are saying, it, you're, you're admitting that you don't have the power to do this thing. You're not fully in control of your, of your future. So what would that mean from an attributional standpoint? If your belief is that, you know, somebody else is in charge, then you have to be correspondingly less in charge yourself. But in the case of God, you are taking action by invoking God's 
power. So, you know, I guess you call the police. You hear the, you hear the teenagers are like making a ruckus outside. You feel like really disempowered. You call the police, and now you feel more empowered because you've done something, even though it's you're not the one who's actually doing it. There is clear evidence that a person who engages in prayer experiences measurable psychological effects. So next time you think about prayer and the effect it has on the world around us, consider the internal effects that it has on the people who do it. After all, there are billions of people who pray on a regular basis. With numbers that high, even a small effect can have major implications. This podcast from the Center for Science Communication at the University of Otago was produced by Evan Balcom. You heard from PhD students David Barton and Victoria Alonya and psychologist Jamin Halberstadt, all from the psychology department at the University of Otago. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. Check out our webpage for photos and web features, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.